just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. I hope all is going well with you. Not a bad day around here. It's a Saturday. Got to see my grandson uh, uh, play basketball. I ran up and down the halls with my 22-month-old granddaughter. I got to tell you, that kid is the only thing that I get cardio from because she's running back and forth, and I'm following her. And for a while, when I'd take the kid in the hall from the basketball game because she was getting antsy, my son would say, well, take mom with you. Take Mike, his father-in-law, with you. I said, fine, but why? He said, well, she's hard to keep up with. I said, dude, I raised you. I kept up with you. And he goes, yeah, but that was 30 years ago. I said, man, I can keep up with this little girl. Trust me on this. He goes, yeah, just go with somebody else. (laughs) It's nice to have that kind of confidence instilled in me. But it was great fun. I love running around with that kid, watching the basketball. There's nothing better than watching your kids or grandkids play sports. It's nothing better than watching your little, little kids or grandkids grow up. Uh, It's a great joy of mine, and I look forward to it every Saturday when I get this opportunity. Now, the other day, uh, I had a chance to talk to a listener on the phone. I'm not going to give the name. I'm not going to give really what we talked about or how I ended up talking to them. Essentially, this person was concerned about something, and I was going to try to help her out by sending an email, and I realized, well, that's that's not going to get the direct message across. So here's my phone number. Give me a call. And we talked for a long time, and she's a very bright person, and she's going to do very well in her own right. But the interesting thing I found when I talked to her is something I find very common in people I talk to. Specifically, my son, who's in his mid to late 20s, he's at a point at a crossroads where he's going to go off into some path that's going to be his career. And uh, I've got other family members, other friends, people I've worked with. And they've got this, I wouldn't say fatalistic attitude, but they assume the best things aren't going to happen to them. That's just not the way it goes. Those best things never happen to me. You see it, too, when I post on uh, TikTok or even on the podcast here. People will say, oh, Donald Trump will never be held responsible for anything. Nobody ever gets accountable. Nobody's doing anything. And it's this negative attitude. It's a natural thing that people do to themselves. They assume the worst or they assume that they're worthy of or can't improve their situation. Those good things don't happen. And if a good thing does happen, now all they worry about is when is the next shoe going to drop? Now, when I was talking to this person on the phone, I'm afraid I went into lecture mode. I tend to like to talk. I think I can explain it in the best terms, at least in terms I can understand. And I'm pretty simple-minded, so hopefully they can understand And I gave this lecture to this person, as I've given to my son and many other people. And it's not because I'm especially smart. It's because I'm 61 years old, and I've gone through all this shit. I've learned some lessons. 
I stopped repeating those things that don't work for me, and I changed it up. And when I did that, I learned some things. And here's what you have to understand. If you're going to get through this life, and you will get through this life, you have to change your mindset a little bit. You have to believe that you deserve some positive, some good things. Identify those positive parts of your life, your intelligence, whatever. And emphasize those as opposed to your deficiencies. I mean, we're all likely to do that. Well, I'm not tall enough. I'm not in shape enough. My hair's weird. I'm not smart enough to do that job. And that is not going to get you anywhere. I mean, people have said to me, wouldn't you like to go back to your younger days? My wife says that to me too, like when you're 25 or 35, or for me, even 45. Would you like to go back then? I say absolutely not. Two reasons. If I go back and change something, I might end up differently, and I'm perfectly content with the way I ended up. I don't want to change a thing. But the other part of it is I remember all the good things about being young and growing up and learning things. But a lot of those times were tough. I give people credit when they're 20, 25, 35, 45, whatever, because they're going to go through some shit. Not because they deserve it or they've done something to make it happen. It's just because that's what fucking life is. You will go through some trials and tribulations and tragedies, and it will be tough. And for me, I don't want to go through that shit again. I want life to calm down a little bit. I don't want to have to go through all the stuff I did before. Yes, it would be great to see my kids when they were little again, play with them in the yard, do all that stuff. But I did it. Times have changed. Now I've got grandkids I can play in the yard with. But people go out in life and they don't give themselves enough credit for how smart they are, how experienced they are. That's why it's very hard for some people to do their own resume because they don't realize the things that might be valuable in getting a new job. They're like, oh, I just did that on the side. But they discount some of the things they've accomplished and if you do that, you're going to be diminishing what you're going to get in return. Instead of focusing on those negative things in life or those things you don't believe can happen to you, focus on those successes you've had. Focus on what you can do and where your talents lie. Because your mindset will have a lot to do with where you end up. If you think you're a loser and can never win, well, you may very well end up that way. But if you think you're a winner, you're confident, and you push forward, you'll end up there. See, what people don't understand is they think that what's going on in their head, save for if it's chemical or something like that. I'm not suggesting that I have the cure for people who have chemical imbalances and depression and those sorts of things. I can't address that. I'm not a doctor. But those people that just have these issues in their head that hold themselves back, none of it does you any good. You feel like, well, you're being, uh, not being cocky or arrogant. And there's nothing wrong with being confident, because confident is a different thing than being cocky or arrogant. And I've put this out there before. People have accused me of being cocky or arrogant, and I say, no, I'm just confident. So what's the difference? 
Well, there's the problem. You don't know the difference. But here's the difference. Somebody who's confident, knows what they know, believes what they believe, and they'll stand up for it. They also know what they don't know, and they'll back off from that and try to learn from it. Now, cocky people, arrogant people, will know everything about fucking everything and won't shut up about it, even though they know nothing about anything. That's the difference between cocky and confident. Let me tell you something about being confident. Confidence is the thing that will make you a leader. The vast majority of people out there have their share of insecurities. There's two reactions people will give you if you're confident. There'll be a small group of people that will hate you for being confident because they're not confident, they're insecure, and they can't understand how you could possibly be confident if they can't be. That's their own issue. That's something they have to deal with. But if you're confident and you're positive about yourself, you will be a leader as opposed to a follower. And when you walk into interviews or or whatever you do for jobs, if you're dealing with clients, you will get more done by being confident. Now, I told this person, what we're doing when we're dealing with people, it's more psychological than anything. And this is something I learned. Again, I'm not a brilliant scholar. I didn't even graduate from college. I got through one year of college. But I learned from life. I told this person I was in business. And the business was where I was having calls from people where they had multiple truckloads of whatever kind of product. It could be bikes. It could be appliances. It could be anything. And then I had other people that wanted to buy stuff. So now when I first started it, I went at this as a salesman would, trying to be the nice guy, trying to be accommodating to everybody. The people would say, I want to sell these. And they would say, I'd say, how much do you want for them? And they'd tell me. And I'd know in my head that it was way too fucking much. They weren't going to sell it. They just weren't going to sell it. But I'm a nice guy. I'm a salesman. I'm going to let everything go because I just got to do my job as a salesman. So I said, okay. Now I talked to a bunch of people who wanted to buy things. And I was nice and accommodating and doing all those things. And they'd say they'd be interesting, interested in buying these things. But of course, they wanted to pay nothing. So we have two sides here. We have a side that wants the world and the other side that doesn't want to pay anything. I'm in the middle and I got to figure out a way to make these guys come together to do a deal. Because if we don't do a deal, I don't make any money. They don't cut any deals. Nothing happens. But these people stick to their guns. They believe that they're in control of this deal. Both of them think they're the most important people in this deal. So they have the ultimate power. But if we have two people who think they have the ultimate power, it's never going to get done. And me being nice doesn't help. Here's what I found about dealing with the people that were the buyers. The nicer I was, the more accommodating I was, the less they trusted me. Why are you trying so hard to sell me this? Why are you trying to har- so hard? I think something's wrong here. That was the mentality that they were doing. And then the other side would say, why can't you sell this shit? Why can't you sell this? And I was really troubled by this. This is one of those things in life where you have to take a look at the whole picture. Take a look at how you're approaching it and decide why it doesn't work. 
And then when you realize that it doesn't work, common sense tells you, switch it up. Try something different. Now, most people don't do that. They have their tried and true way of doing things, and either it works or it doesn't work, and they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. But when it continually doesn't work, you would think that they'd sit back and say, well, let's try something different. Well, maybe I'm the weird one, because that's exactly what I did. I had to change the perception of me. I had to make them believe something different than I was portraying currently. So I went out there with a mindset to train, change people's perception. Do something nobody else is doing in the business just to see if it's successful. I mean, fuck, if I'm not selling anything right now, what's, what's the harm in trying? So I, what I did instead of trying to sell myself as an accommodating salesman I sold myself as somebody who's experienced in this business. I don't give a fuck if you buy anything or if you sell anything. You both are lucky to fucking work with me. Now, that sounds crazy, I know. And it was a crazy thing to try. But I built that image. I built that image, even though that really wasn't me. It was part of me, but it wasn't really my nature. But I got tired of dealing with bullshit from both sides and not getting deals done. So I said, okay, I'm going to portray myself as the baddest salesman, best connected salesman in this fucking business, whether it's true or not. And you know what? They fucking believed it. They fucking believed it. And then after time, I actually became that because they gave me the power to be that. So when it came to doing deals now... Instead of doing it the way I was doing it, I went to the seller. I said, how much do you want for it? And he says, well, I think I should get this much. And I would say, nah, that's not going to fucking work. You're never going to sell it for that much. You can't sell it for more than this. This is more than enough profit. You're being fucking greedy. If you can't sell it for this much, I don't want fucking anything to do with it. You know what they did? They came down because they had to sell it. They knew I was the guy that could sell it for them, so they did what I told them to do. Now, on the other side, the buyers, they would come in. And buyers are a different situation because the only way they make money is buying deals. And I never understood why they dicked around and tried to avoid doing deals if that's the one way they're going to get money. They're going to buy the deal, they're going to resell the deal, and they'll make their money just like I'm making the money and cutting this deal. But still, they wanted to dick around, and it was all about ego. It was all about ego for them. They wanted to win. And a lot of times, people will say, well, just let them win and make them think they won, and that'll work. But that didn't work, because every time they won, they just got bolder, demanded more shit, and trusted you less. So with them, I said, look, here's the deal. I've got this product. It's the best product you're going to get. It's priced right. Do you want it or don't you want it? Now, they want to negotiate. And uh, they'd say, well, I'd get it for this much someplace else. And I said, well, you should go someplace else. If you can't afford this, I get it. I'm sorry. Thanks very much. And I'd hang up on them. And you know what they do? They'd fucking call me back because they didn't have another option. They thought they can push me around. And I'm saying, no, you can't push me around. You see what I did? I took the power away from them. I took the power away from the seller and took the power upon myself. I convinced them that I had all the power, that I was the one linchpin that was going to make this happen. 
And it wasn't about ego to do that. It was about having control on my part to actually get the fucking deal done. Because if I left it to these two clowns, they'd never cut a deal. Nobody would ever make money. So somebody had to be the adult in the room. Somebody had to be the asshole. And, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm well suited as being the asshole, as my wife and kids and many of my friends will point out. Hopefully I only do that when it's necessary. Now, the point of me telling you this story is not to impress you by how this how I handle this. The point of it is you have the power to change not only what you think, but the perception that you give. If you understand the circumstances, if you're going into an interview, if you walk in and say, well, I don't know if I'm really good for this job. Instead, you walk in and you say, I think I'm the best candidate for this job. And here's why. Boom, 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 boom. I'm anxious to get the job. When do I start? you got to be confident in yourself. If somebody's going to entrust you with a job, with money, with a responsibility, they want to know that fucker's confident. If they're not confident, they're not going to trust you. Now, you don't have to be arrogant. You don't have to be stupid. You just have to believe in yourself. Don't assume the worst because then you're going to get the worst. Assume the best, and then you're more likely to be successful. So... <laughs> Enough about the Tony Robbins bullshit. Sorry about that, but I felt compelled to do it. I've been talking to people about this thing over and over in a few different situations. I got my son, I've got a niece, I've got friends, and they're all going through the same thing. It seems like this lack of confidence and insecurity is running rampant. And if you have any hopes of being successful and doing the things you want and accomplishing the things you need, you got to have some confidence. And I'll guarantee you, you're more powerful, you have more going for you than you give yourself credit for. So step back, take a look, make a list of the positive things that you have going for you, all the negative things, fucking forget them, throw them out, they don't matter. All right, let's get to the business of the podcast. Um, I got an email. I've been getting a lot of emails, and I like that. I like hearing from the folks because they give me some interesting directions to go with this podcast. And uh, it's fun hearing from people. It was great talking to this person yesterday on the phone. Now, I can't do that all the time, but from time to time, I have no problem talking to people on the phone. Anyway, this email goes as such. Sir, for the past few weeks, it seems all I hear are Republicans stoking the flames of violence. One congressman calls... Uh, for people to unplug voting machines and bring guns to the polls. Next, the RNC spokeswoman says the uh, says their followers are supportive of the violence on January 6th. Now I have a fake Facebook post saying another congressperson is calling for everyone to start stocking up on guns in case they want to overthrow the government. Where do you think this is all leading? Is this something everyday people should be worrying about? Please advise. Thank you again for keeping up the good work, Paul. I get it, man. There are a fucking ton of people out there talking about violence. And the reason they're talking about violence is because their power, their grip, they're losing their grip. And all they have left is to threaten violence. But remember, these fucking people are bullies. 
which means they are cowards. They are going to say shit, stand in front of your face, yell at you. But the moment somebody raises their hand and says, get the fuck back or I'm going to smack you in the mouth, they're going to run like little school children. I'd say like little girls, but people give me heat about that, (laughs) as if I'm diminishing little girls. But I'm not, so I just won't say it anymore. But I just said it, so I'm probably still going to get heat. (laughs) That's all right. I get plenty of heat at home. I can handle it. I know what to do with it. Anyhow, do I think there's going to be violence? I think there might be a little spotty violence. But I think it will end very quickly because this is a much different situation. Joe Biden is the president. Um, Law enforcement is in a different situation. The DOJ is far different than when Donald Trump was in. There is going to be real consequences for anybody that commits crimes or commits violence. We're seeing it now with the 750 people that have been indicted for the insurrection. We'll see it more with the people that were involved with planning and facilitating it in Congress and in the White House. The possibility of violence is there. I don't think you'll see it widespread. I don't think you'll see it at the level we saw at the U.S. Capitol. To be perfectly honest, Donald Trump, the the whole cause is losing ground. People will say to me, well, 71 million people voted for Donald Trump. That's like almost half of this country. Well, that's not exactly true. The real number we're looking at with people that could be looking for violence is maybe 30%. That's the base for Donald Trump. And of that 30%, only a small percentage of that is going to be actually dangerous. 71 million people aren't going to rise up against this country. Not going to happen. Anyone beyond the 30% of the base may have voted Republican, but the only reason they voted Republican is because dad voted for Republican, grandpa voted Republican, and great-grandpa. And they can't bring themselves to vote for Democrats, so that's why Donald Trump got as many votes as he did. Now, if you're looking at the polling now of people who think he should run again, that's dropping like a rock. That is fucking absolutely dropping like a rock. And to be perfectly honest with you, um, Republicans are getting nervous now. They're seeing all these things that come out, the destroying of documents, the stealing of documents, the fake electors coming from the various states, him calling the secretary of state. They're seeing what's ahead. They're seeing that everything around Donald Trump is going to come crashing down. So now all these candidates that are hoping to side with Donald Trump so he can help them get votes, they're now kind of in a weird spot. Because, you see, now they don't know what's going to happen in the next six or eight months. Every day something's coming out negative of Donald Trump, making him look stupider, making him look more like a criminal. And the attention and the acceptance of Donald Trump is diminishing every day. So these people that were going to ride Donald Trump's coattails into their elections are now thinking, oh, shit, we got till November. What's going to come out? Shit's coming out every day. By November, he might be done. So they're caught in a tough spot. We don't want to abandon Donald Trump because that might be votes. But if we stick with Donald Trump and all goes to hell, then we're fucked. We're not going to get elected. And you know what? They're absolutely right about that. 
They may be mistaken about how many votes they might get by sticking with Donald Trump. Like I said, the base is maybe 30%. Not enough to win any election. And half these dumb fucks probably don't even vote. Now, the rest of the country, we've got Democrats and independents and normal Republicans. There's no way they're going to vote for treasonist and seditionist and uh, violent criminals. They just aren't. Donald Trump couldn't win a popular vote before this, and now he would get destroyed. And trust that the Republicans will read this situation as time goes by. If Donald Trump has no chance to be elected, even if he can legally run, they aren't going to run him. They want to fucking win. And they aren't going to win if they run Donald Trump. So is there going to be violence? Well, you know, the thing about it is you see Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, and all these fucks, and all the Trumplicans saying, well, the civil war's coming. It's not coming. There's going to be no fucking civil war. There kind of is a civil war going on right now. It's between uh, authoritarianism and democracy. That is kind of a civil war. It's not a fighting in the streets war, but it is a, it is a, uh, a battle of sorts. It is uh, a kerfuffle, maybe. Maybe that's too weak a term. But that's already going on. But the bad guys are losing ground every day. I've told you before about the House Select Committee and some of the other things that are going on, some of the other investigations. Here's what you can count on. Between now and November, every day, bad shit's going to come out about the Republicans. Bad shit's going to come out about Donald Trump. Every day we will be surprised of how bad it is. Think about it. That's the way it's been. Donald Trump is flushing documents down the toilet. He's burning them. He's shredding them. He's taking them down to Mar-a-Lago. We'll talk more about that in a bit. But then we got all these phony electors. We've got all the investigations of Donald Trump on fucking tape committing a crime. This isn't going well for the Republicans, and they're losing ground every day. They're in a tough spot. They want to stick with Donald Trump, but they see light at the end of the tunnel, and that light is a train coming fucking right at him. Because once Donald Trump goes down, all that work, all that time, all that connections you made to Donald Trump are going to fuck you over. So the Republicans are in trouble. Is there going to be violence? Maybe little spots here and there. They'll try. But once they get taken down so quickly that they they won't even believe it, because They won't be given the freedom that Donald Trump allowed them at the U.S. Capitol. Once they get taken down hard once, then you're going to see a bunch of these cowards take a different stance. They'll still yell and scream, but they won't mix it up. I've said this before. They're going to be like those kids. Remember when you were in high school and there might be a bunch of kids hanging around on a corner and some kids that didn't like you came by? And there's always one kid hanging his head out the window. As they're speeding by, they're not stopping, they're speeding by. He'll roll down the window and say, I'll kick your ass. Yeah, as you leave in that fucking car, you gutless piece of shit. That's who we're dealing with, with the Trumplicans, the 30%. Fucking gutless cowards, that's who they are. So once they get spanked, and part of this is these people that are getting indicted and convicted amongst the 
insurrectionists, that's taken a toll on a lot of people who are saying, yeah, I don't want to fuck with this. But still, there's plenty of stupid people that will get into violence. But a lot of them are big talkers and won't follow through, and those that do will get slapped down so hard that nobody will want to do anything, again, because they're cowards. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So we've all been hearing about the crazy shit that Donald Trump is doing with official White House documents owned by the U.S. government, generated while he was in office. He's tearing them up. He's shredding them. He's burning them. He's dumping them down a toilet. And he's also stealing them. I mean, it's been absolutely fucking crazy. So I'm watching cable news, and I switch around a lot because I don't trust any of them. But I like to see what they have to say. And once I see them say something, I can dig a little deeper into it to find what out what what is actually true. Now, I happen to be watching a far right radical cult news cable channel. You know, the Foxes. I think it was Fox, as a matter of fact. I don't like watching Fox. It annoys me. It pisses me off. But I have to do it from time to time just to see what kind of dumb shit they're saying. So this interviewer was talking to Donald Trump, and he was talking about all these things like flushing it down a toilet and, uh, and, and all these things he's being accused of. And Donald Trump said exactly what you'd expect him to say. Oh, it's all fake news. Really, Donald? Fake news? I mean, they've got the documents that are, in fact, ripped up. They've got documents that are shredded. They've got people that worked for you that said you did it, people that worked for you that said you shouldn't do it and warned you against doing it. And you actually have fucking documents sitting in your house at Mar-a-Lago unwilling to give it back to the National Archives, even though they are insisting on it. That's fake news? Well, I beg to differ. It sounds like the worst attempt at gaslighting I've ever heard. Donald Trump, you're a fucking idiot. And somehow, some way, you think everybody else is just as stupid as you are. Well, your little Trumplefucks are certainly as dumb as you are, but the rest of the country, 70% of the country, is not nearly as stupid as you. It's pretty obvious what happened here, and there is no question about it. Now, I also watched a liberal-leaning cable channel, and the interviewer there was talking to a gentleman by the name of Preet Barrera. I believe that's the correct pronunciation. He is a former federal prosecutor. He worked for the federal government. He was a prosecutor with the DOJ. And uh, he was fired almost immediately after Donald Trump took office. So he's got, he he probably got a little axe to grind with Donald Trump, but uh, I'm sure he's doing fine. I'm sure he had plenty of money before and making more money now showing up on CNN or MSNBC or wherever he goes. But the interviewer was kind of frustrated hearing that Donald Trump had documents in Mar-a-Lago. Some were returned, but some 
remain in Mar-a-Lago, and Donald Trump refuses to send them back. That's curious, isn't it? Anyway, this interviewer said, what can they do? Can they indict him? Can they do this? Can they do that? Now, Preet Barrera answered this question like a governmental lawyer. Governmental lawyers are purposely vague. They do that because they're afraid they're going to mess up a case or whatever. But what he said in this interview, I found kind of annoying. I mean, here's all this evidence. It actually happened. You've got torn documents. And Pre Pereira said, well, first, got to decide what the intent of this was. And this always troubles me. Anything Donald Trump did, well, they've got to figure out what the intent was. Did he mean to steal all this stuff? Well, it's pretty clear you got torn up documents, clogged toilets uh, in the White House. You've got the shit that's been stolen that he still holds on to. I think we know the intent. And then he said, well, we have to make sure it wasn't just a, a miscue or an accident. He didn't know what he was doing. And I would say to Preet Barrera, if I was talking to him, I said, how many people do you know that didn't know what they were doing and was trying to flush a ream of paper down the fucking toilet? Of course he knew what, was, what he was doing. And then lastly, he said, well, maybe they'll find a smoking gun. Are you fucking kidding me? A smoking gun? Like I said, fucking documents are still in his house and he refuses to give them back. That's not even a smoking gun. That's a fucking burning dumpster. How much more shit do you need? Now, Pre Barrera is just answering with standard answers uh, because he doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about this country and all of us in it. We kept hearing Merrick Garland. We kept hearing prosecutors tell us no one is above the law. But for everything we've seen, we're kind of dubious about that because it appears somebody or some people are above the law. Now, Donald Trump has a lot of investigations. I understand they take a little while to get it nailed down perfectly, and that's fine. But this instance right here is the most troubling because the evidence is right in front of us. The concept of his intent is right there in front of us. The smoking gun actually exists. We know where it is and why it's there. So all of that is in line. Now, here's an interesting thing about Donald Trump. Here's another thing the DOJ has to consider. First of all, when he said it's fake news, I guess he was referring to just flushing papers down the toilet. <laughs> That's fake news. Even though when he was in his speeches, he kept talking about toilets that took 10 or 15 times to flush something down. Well, none of us experienced that, but apparently he did, and maybe because he's got a fucking executive order stuck in the pipes in his toilet. <laughs> He's a fucking idiot. But here's, and I've told you this before, all Donald Trump has to do is start talking and he will fuck himself over. So he said the fake news was about shoving documents down the toilet and trying to flush it down. But he said, you know, the other documents, I had every right to take them and destroy them or bring them home to Mar-a-Lago. That's typical Donald Trump. Tell him he can't do something. He says, well, I've got rights to do it, the court orders and whatever. And none of that is true. 
There is a Presidential Records Act, and that is it. What he's done is illegal. But by him saying, I had every right to do it, like he done many times before, I had every right to do it. You know what that is? That's a fucking confession. If he felt like he had every right to do it and he was trying to justify it, that means he fucking did it. So not only do we have all the information that we've gotten from different sources, but we got Donald Trump on fucking tape admitting that he destroyed documents. Now, he thinks he's free to do that, but we all know he's not. We all know the Presidential Records Act is the law, and we know what it means to break the law. I gave you the list in the last podcast. Everything that was on this list is exactly what Donald Trump did. There is no vagueness or gray area about what he did and whether it's illegal. So my point of this is, okay, you want to investigate all that other stuff, that's fine. But this is right in front of our face. And then we find out some of the documents that he took home were top secret or classified. Now we're talking about the security of the United States. That's serious shit. That's certainly fucking treason. Now, these crimes, if he is in violation of the Presidential Records Act, it is far less serious than some of the many things that he's being looked at for. We know that's true. So it's my my contention that this may be the perfect time for the DOJ to come out and say, look, this is pretty obvious. The fucker confessed to it. We're going after this one. This is an easy one. It's maybe three years in jail per charge. And honestly... He's probably got a lot of charges in this fucking one. There's also fines. But the key to this is that he would not be able to run for any elected office. And that's the big part of this. Don't put him in jail. Just make sure he can't run for office. That'll take a lot of stress off the table for a lot of people. And so I'm interested to see what the DOJ does with this. The evidence is out there for everybody to see. Merrick Garland can't come to us and say, well, you don't know all the facts. No, motherfucker, we know all the facts. We've seen all the facts. We heard Donald Trump confess to the facts. So now you need to do something. You keep telling us nobody's above the law. Well, nobody has a lot of trust in Merrick Garland and in the DOJ, the presidency, Congress, or anything. So maybe now's the time to get some of your credibility back. Actually investigate, indict, and prosecute Donald Trump in this case. Clearly, he did it. Clearly, it's a violation. There's no two ways about it. There isn't much of an investigation that you have to do. He broke the law. Now, some people say, well, they'll never bust the president for this. Bullshit. No president has ever done this before. And if you don't address this, then the whole fucking Presidential Records Act is unenforceable. And everybody can do whatever the fuck they want. We can't afford that to happen. So Merrick Garland has to act now on this situation. The question is, will he? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I hope he will. But And I hope they look at this as a chance to run something through quickly and get this done. Because as I've said before, there's a lot of possibilities for Donald Trump to be indicted and prosecuted. But in the real scheme of things... We only need one, the one indictment, the one trial, the one disqualification from running for any office again. If we get that one, we can wait for the other ones to happen because that one will take Donald Trump out of the equation.
He won't be in the conversation for 2024. People will move away from him so fucking quickly you can't possibly believe it because he's no value for people today. So I'm very anxious to see what happens with this. This seems like a very opportune moment for the DOJ and the uh, Merrick Garland. There is no argument about this. The facts and the evidence are there. He can do this without appearing to be partisan or political. This is a fact. This is dangerous to our country. And the fact that there were top secret and classified documents there makes it even more crucial and important to follow through with. I'm hoping they take this cue and they go after this one thing hard and fast right now. The other stuff will happen when it's happened. But this is the one thing that can be gone through before November of this year and we can change the whole perspective of what 2022's midterm elections are going to look like. All right, let's talk about the Ukraine invasion situation. Is that real? Well, here's my take on it, for whatever it's worth. Hold on a second. I'm going to take a drink of water because I talk too damn much and my throat gets dry. I learned a lesson. Remember I told you in the first segment, you learn lessons. You make mistakes. You learn lessons. You don't drink pop when you're doing a podcast because it makes you burp. And then I got to go back and find all this shit and edit it out. I don't want that much work. I just want to go straight through, send it to you just as I did it. But if I have to go back and edit it because I burped, that's just fucking unprofessional. So I'm not doing that anymore. I'm sticking to water when I do the podcast, only to keep my throat from being dry. Okay, the Ukraine situation. We know what that is. Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin talked on the phone today for about an hour. And the whole point of it was hopefully to create some diplomacy to come up with a resolution for this crisis on the Ukraine border. And for those of you that don't know, and I'd be surprised if anybody doesn't know, but I'll recap it. Vladimir Putin has placed 100,000 troops on the Ukraine border, brought in weapons, brought in medical supplies, brought in blood, And if you look at a map as to the way the troops are set up, they essentially surround the country of Ukraine. For all intents and purposes, it looks like he's setting up and ready to invade. Now, Joe Biden told him, said, look, if you invade on the Ukraine, we are going to take swift and severe action." Now, you're probably saying to yourself, what is that? We're going to put troops down there, fight them, kick their ass, and send them home? No. There's no way Donald Trump, or or, (laughs) that was a Freudian mistake. There's no way that Joe Biden is going to put troops down there and go to war with Russia. It's just not going to happen. It's not worth it, and it's not going to happen. But they got to do whatever they can to keep uh, Vladimir Putin from invading um, the Ukraine. Now, from my perspective, and you can take that for what it's worth, I'm not the smartest man in the room. Well, I am today because I'm the only man in this room. I am the smartest guy in this room. Um, but um, And I don't know everything. A lot of what I see is based on what I know of the situation and human nature and how they react to things. And I'm, you know, I'm guessing largely or trying to at least critically think about it to decide what's going to happen. First thing you need to know, 
Vladimir Putin is nothing more than a bully. His standard practice is to sow strength, puff up his chest, and scare people, hoping that they will back down and get out of the way, and then they will run over the top of them. Unfortunately for him, that's not what Joe Biden and the Americans are doing. That's not what the rest of Europe is doing. They're standing strong. So Vladimir Putin only knows how to bully. So instead of just setting up some things or putting out some rumors out there, now he's got to bring troops to the front lines because all he knows how to do is bully. So now what he does is he makes it bigger and stronger and thinks, okay, that'll make him back down. And that doesn't work, so he does it some more and he does it some more. Now, see, the problem is you wonder what Joe Biden can do to scare him off. And there's a lot he can do. We're talking about the sanctions. Now, I think most people think sanctions aren't really worth a shit because the sanctions that Donald Trump put on the USS or the Russia was just pointless. But what Joe Biden is talking about doing could essentially cripple the economy in Russia. What you have to understand about Russia, their economy is shaky at best. It won't take much to shut that fucking thing down, especially if the European countries get involved too and do the same thing. Now, Vladimir Putin knows this. He doesn't want any part of that action, but he knows from what Joe Biden has said that if he goes into the Ukraine, that's what's going to happen. And that's why I think that Vladimir Putin never, ever really planned to go into the Ukraine. He's like testing the limits. He's trying to bully so he can get something else on his side. Well, we'll stop going in from Ukraine if you give us something else. And that's kind of what he's trying to do. That's kind of the way he's playing this. But to Joe Biden's credit, and I'm guessing on this, I'm only guessing by hearing what he's saying, that uh, he understands the situation. And like when I was talking about uh, business before, you got to really understand who your customer or your foe is. If you could understand them psychologically and know what they really want and what they really don't want, you have control. And I have to believe as much experience as Joe Biden has with uh, Vladimir Putin, he gets this. He's a leader, too. He knows the position that Vladimir Putin is in, and he knows that Vladimir Putin doesn't want the wrath of America and the rest of the European countries coming down on him. Getting the Ukraine isn't worth it for what he may lose and the problems he will be created in his country. He doesn't want to do that. He's just flexing his muscle and playing the bully to try to get something out of it or at least push Joe Biden some way to make him look bad. Because he wants Donald Trump to be president, which will never happen, so don't worry about that. So now Vladimir Putin is in this position, and the people that he is expecting to back off and be afraid are not doing that anymore. So he's stuck. He's in the middle of something he doesn't know how to get out of. As I've said before, he doesn't back off unless it makes him look good. And Joe Biden knows that. But you notice, Joe Biden isn't offering that. Now, normally in diplomacy, uh, Vladimir Putin will say, well, I'll back off, but I need this and this and this, so it looks like I won. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, would say, yeah, let's get this thing done. We'll give you some things. You give us some things. You back off. Nobody's worse for wear. Joe Biden's not doing that. 
In fact, the White House is releasing little bits of information and rumors as it comes out of Russia to supersede what Russia is doing. They're putting out information before Russia even does it, which is embarrassing to Russia and fucks up their whole plan. He's specifically fucking with Vladimir Putin. Now, under normal circumstances, and I've said this before, I said, why wouldn't you do this? Now I understand it, at least from the way I see it now. I've said all along that what what Joe Biden should be doing, instead of waiting till they go into the Ukraine and kill 50,000 people, they should slap them on the nose right now to shut them down and get them sent home with his tail between his legs. But Joe's not doing that. He's saying, you go in here, all shit's going to come down on you. He's fucking basically daring him. Do it. Because I know you're going to be fucked up if you do. So I don't think you have the balls to do it. And Joe Biden probably right. But Vladimir Putin is one of these guys that he's not going to back down from Joe Biden. He's not going to back down from America. So he's holding tight right now. Joe Biden's egging him on. You notice how he's saying, well, this could come any time. This could happen any moment. But the Ukrainian government is saying, yeah, let's not get people excited. Let's just calm down a little bit. Joe's saying, no, this could happen any moment, and it's going to get crazy, and people are going to die. It's upsetting. That's uncharacteristic for a president, especially Joe Biden. Why would he do that? What he's doing is he's pushing Vladimir Putin into a corner. And I understand this because this is something I would have done in business. If somebody's making a claim, talking shit because they want us to be afraid or bullied, instead of just bending and saying, okay, we'll give you whatever you want, I would do in that situation because the attitude I'm trying to portray is I don't give a shit. So I have nothing to fucking lose. You have everything to lose. Somebody does that to me, I would say, okay, fuck yourself. See ya. And now I've taken away all power from them. Any power they perceive that they have is gone. It's fucking gone. And that's what you want to do, especially to a bully or a narcissist. Once you can take their power away from them, they will flail for a little bit, but then they'll run away because they don't know what to do with that. They have no clue. And I sense that's what Joe Biden is doing now. He's playing hard ass with them. And he's only playing hard-ass with him because he knows that he won't make that move. Because if he makes that move, Joe Biden can fuck up his whole country without sending a single missile. And because Joe has that power and he feels confident in that power, and he feels sure that Vladimir Putin had no intention of going into the Ukraine under those conditions, he can play this role. He can push him into the corner. He's taking this bully and uh, swatting him on his nose without actually swatting him on his nose. Now, do I know absolutely that's what's going on? I do not. Nobody can really know what's going on. But the way this whole thing is being handled, it's kind of weird. You know, usually diplomacy is you give a little, I give a little, you give a little. We walk out of this and hopefully nobody's harmed. Joe's not doing that. He's going, fuck yourself. You come on in here and the shit's going down and it's not going to be pleasant. Vladimir Putin does that. Now, what does he do? It's going to be interesting. 
to see if Joe Biden at some point gives Vladimir Putin a window to get out, an option to get out, because that's ultimately what he'll have to do. But still, Vladimir Putin will look bad on the way out. Joe Biden's not going to let him win this situation. Now, if I'm wrong and Biden's wrong, (laughs) then all shit goes to hell. See, you have to understand who you're dealing with. Vladimir Putin isn't a stupid man. He doesn't want to deal with the ramifications. Now, if Vladimir Putin was instead Donald Trump, a whole different story. Because this fucker's a wild card. He's crazy. He will burn down everything around him just to be right. So a dumb fuck like him would say, yeah, I'm going to war. Fuck it. I don't want to listen to your shit. I'm going to war. And then he would get burnt down and uh, that would be it. But Vladimir Putin's not that stupid. Vladimir Putin spent the last four years playing Donald Trump. He knows Donald Trump is dumb, and he's not going to make the same mistakes that Donald Trump did. So we'll see what happens. I honestly don't believe Russia has any intention of going into the Ukraine. They've just gotten in over their head. They flexed their muscles. It didn't work. Now they're looking for a way out. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But we'll know soon enough as things progress here. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about is this thing up in Canada, this truck blockade. These people are all upset. These truckers are upset about the mandates, vaccine and mask mandates and all this stuff. And the way to protest it is to block entry from Canada into the United States, stopping the flow of products, affecting the supply chain. Now, people are hearing about the one in Windsor coming over to Michigan, but there's also one from uh, Canada to North Dakota. There's like three or four of these things where this is happening. But uh, Canada, the government of Canada says, you can't do that. It's fucking illegal. We're going to start towing these things out of there. And I guess that process has started. The bridge in Windsor is still blocked, but the crowds have lessened. There's going to be um, fines as high as $100,000 for people continuing to block. There could be jail terms of up to a year for doing this. And here's what you have to understand about this whole protest. Some people think other people that aren't truckers are kind of funding this and helping this to happen. Did you know that 85% of the truckers that come from Canada in the United States are vaccinated? So that means 15% of truckers are stopping everybody fucking else. And by doing that, they're affecting and damaging countries in the U.S. and in Canada. They're losing money by the millions every day. These fucking crazy-ass Canadian patriots or American patriots want their little show and they want this blockade to show how tough they are, but they're damaging their own people. They're costing people tons of money. Yes, they're affecting the supply chain, but we'll live, we'll survive, we'll get this done. But these people that aren't making money every day is a problem. And these fucking people don't care. They just don't care. They only want what they want, when they want it, how they want it. And that's typical of the Trumplefucks here in this country. They don't care if it hurts somebody else. They only want what they want. And it's not going to work for these people in Canada. They're going to start hauling these trucks away. They'll open up and these guys will pout, but they're not going to want to risk jail time or huge fines. So that will be fixed. 
The troubling thing about this is you got Fox News and other Republicans through this country saying, is it going to happen in America? Could it happen in America? Rand Paul, Rand Paul says he hopes that these blockades happen in America. He's hoping for this kind of situation that would uh, disrupt businesses, people's incomes, people's livelihoods, people's businesses, and the future of their business. He's hoping it happens. Fox News is out there promoting the shit out of it. Oh, it could happen. It probably should happen in this country. This is fucking absurd. And this is a small percentage of people causing problems for everybody else. This has to stop. If it were the majority of the country that wanted to do this, that would be one thing. But these people are worried about getting a shot or getting having to wear a mask. Well, if you can't handle the job, get another fucking job. Do something where you can have your freedom and not get vaccinated and not mask up. But good luck with that. It's not just not the mandates and the governments that are enforcing these things. These are the individual companies that have every right to do it. Whether there's a mandate or not, they can insist on it and you have to fucking deal with it. And you don't have a right stopping things up and causing everybody else to struggle beyond the government. These fucking people are selfish and they're stupid and they're going to lose and it's laughable. All they've accomplished is damaged other working people, other companies, and a little bit with the supply chain. It's affecting it. But that's the least of the damage they do. They're hurting people, their own people, by doing what they're doing. Hopefully that'll be cleared out shortly. It'll be interesting to see if we have it show up in the United States. And hopefully if it does, uh, Joe Biden is tough on it and takes care of it right a fucking way. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I appreciate the time you spend with me, listen to, listening to me ramble on. Don't know why you do it, but I'm glad you do, and I appreciate it. And if you have questions, comments, complaints, recipes, whatever you got, email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com or check out anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave me a voicemail. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.